Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Word of God for our study this Sunday is our second lesson, Romans 8, 28-39, as printed in your bulletin. Dear friends in Christ, called according to God's purpose. In the now classic movie, Good Will Hunting, there is a powerful scene that many of you might remember. Will is meeting with his therapist, Sean, and they have finally spoken openly and directly about the horrible abuse that Will suffered as a child and which, we have come to understand, is why he has so many problems in his life, particularly with relationships. Sean makes a reference to all the bad stuff, the, the history that is in Will's file, and he looks him in the eye and says, It's not your fault. Casually, Will agrees, Yeah, I know. But Sean knows it, it hasn't gotten through yet. Four or five more times he has to say, It's not your fault with Will each time reacting more seriously because the words are reaching closer and closer to his heart until finally, with the last, it's not your fault. Will breaks down, sobbing, and grabs on to Sean and won't let go. The hard shell that Will had built up to protect himself had finally broken. And he was finally ready to see what he needed to see and feel what he needed to feel. And that message had needed to be repeated many times before it found its mark. Now I pray that none of you are dealing with psychological damage as deep as Will Hunting's. But chances are good that all of us have had or still have a similar situation when it comes to our hearts not taking seriously or, or even resisting the very truths that we most need to hear. What the Holy Spirit had Paul write for us in Romans 8 keeps driving and driving and driving home a message that every believer who lives in this sinful world needs to, to take in and trust and remember and rejoice in. And it needs to be repeated many times. Not just until it finds its mark in our hearts and our minds one time, but over and over throughout our lives as times and situations change and, and doubt creeps in. Or like Peter on the water, our faith shrinks and we fear sink and flail. Paul says the same thing in different ways and from different angles, but everything here can be summed up in one sentence to hold on to. God is for us. The refrain rings out again and again through all of this reading from Romans. To redirect our thoughts from doubt and fear to confidence and strength. Now, have you ever looked at the world and thought everything had gone crazy 
and was seemingly spinning out of control? Can you look at everything 2020 has brought us with virus and riots and politics and ruin and who knows what's coming next? And can you look at all that and not feel, at least sometimes, like the earth has gone off its axis? And how about your own life? Have you ever felt, or do you feel now, that it's a mess? Perhaps even an unmitigated disaster that's never going to get any better? To those thoughts and feelings, the Holy Spirit answers, Not true! That's not what's happening. Never has been, never will be. The Almighty God is in charge and has the whole world, including you, in His hands. Far from out of control or a mess, everything is actively and actually being managed for your good. And not just for your good, but for the good of the entire Church of Christ. Now, how can we be so confident about this? Why can we be sure He's doing this? Well, we we could answer correctly that it is because God loves us. But it's not just about love or grace or mercy. It is also, and importantly, and powerfully, about God's choice and will. He has already decided how everything is going to turn out for us. He knew and chose us in eternity, predestined us to be brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ, His Son. And then, when the time was right, He called us to saving faith in Christ by the gospel, made us holy with the righteousness Jesus earned for us, declared us innocent of every sin and has given us a place with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in heaven forever. This is His good, pleasing, and perfect will for you and for all His children. And since that is true, that means God is managing every event of your life and every situation in this world to make sure that in the end, every one of his elect from eternity endures and enters his eternal rest. So what may look like chaos to us is actually God's perfect plan coming together. We usually can only recognize how he has worked things out for our good by looking back on our lives, sometimes many years later, and sometimes we never quite figure it out. But it is also true that the more and longer we we trust in his power and goodness, the more we see God at work in the world, and the closer we're able to get to real-time appreciation of what he is doing and, and how it is all for our good. Here again is what Paul wrote. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, 
for those who are called according to his purpose. Because those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The message is clear. God is for us. But, but, but what about all the times when it's not just general craziness that we're dealing with, but, but very specific things impacting us personally? Sometimes we suffer more than we think we can bear. Sometimes the corruption of creation creates problems that seem to cancel out all the good in our lives. Natural disasters, diseases, disabilities, and more. And sometimes the weakness of our own flesh seems to drag us down, sidelining our faith and and cutting us off from its blessings. It seems like the odds are all stacked against us and the world is out to get us. We just can't win and, and we'll never get ahead. But no, while these things are real and not pleasant, they are nothing compared to God's plans for us. We belong to Him. He chose us. He loves us as His own dear children. How could He ever let any evil or infirmity get the upper hand? After all, this is the same God who gave His own Son over to suffering and sacrifice, to death on a cross in order to deliver us from our sins and win us eternal life. How could we ever doubt his intentions or his ability to do us good and accomplish it? The God who did the greatest thing of all for us can surely be counted on to do the lesser things of our lives. Paul makes it clear again. What then will we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? Once again, it rings out. God is for us. But sometimes we might raise an objection. Okay, I understand all of that, but but that's all about things that are out of my control, things that are part of the world or, or, or just the way I was born. What about the things that I am responsible for? You see, I, I've done some really, really bad stuff and made many really stupid decisions, and I keep on messing up even though I know better. So God surely has reason to to forget about me and leave me out of his plans, out of his blessings, and and out of his heaven. Now imagine, imagine that you have a very humble job, a very humble wardrobe, and a, a very humble background. But even so, you are at a party 
being hosted by the wealthiest and most influential man in your town. And all of a sudden, someone from the right side of the tracks, someone who has never liked you, spots you, comes straight up to you at the party and says so that everyone around can hear, you don't belong here. Get out. You are not good enough to be with the people here. Go back where you belong. Maybe you suddenly feel shamefully out of place or even consider running for the exit. But what your accuser has not noticed is that the host is actually in the group of people that you've been talking with. And he speaks up and says, "Um, Thanks for your concern about the purity of my party, but since I'm the one who decides these things, and I'm the one who gave the invitation, and I'm the one who says who belongs, and I said this one does, what do you think you're doing? I think it's time for you to be quiet and leave. Or imagine a more spiritual situation. You are standing before God in his courtroom, and he is about to declare his verdict. The prosecutor, maybe it's Satan, maybe it's just your own troubled conscience. The prosecutor is worried that you might get off, and so he speaks up one last time, Lord, You know, there are lots of little sins that you may find it easy to forgive, but that's that's not all with this one. You will never acquit this ingrate if you know everything. Just look at this big sin and that horrific sin and that disgusting sin and this other act of outright rebellion. Forgiveness for this one is out of the question. And your advocate, Jesus, responds, Uh, yeah, we know all about those sins, and a lot of others too. I paid for them all with my blood on the cross. And he turns to the judge and says, Father, forgive them. And God does. Again, Paul shows us what we need to remember. Who will bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, who died and more than that was raised to life, is the one who is at God's right hand and who is also interceding for us. There's the refrain again. God is for us. But, but, but our flesh objects. That's, that's just not realistic. My problems aren't just spiritual and emotional and the, and the dangers I face aren't so easily dismissed. There are people out there out to get me. People who will do anything to win and and have me lose. There are things going on in the world right now and things coming at me that can knock me down and cut me up and even kill me. You may have heard, there are viruses out there just floating around in the air. And have you seen those people and how they're acting? 
And look, look at those waves. Look at that wind. On good days, sure. Sure, I love that God loves me. But when the bad days come, a mere whisper of a feeling like that is never going to stretch far enough to protect me from these threats or be powerful enough to beat down all my enemies. I don't see how Christ can always save us. I can't be sure that I'll always be with him. Well, now imagine a young man meeting his fiancée one evening. He tells her he has awful news. I'm afraid there's no point in us getting married. It wouldn't be fair to you because we'd, we'd never be able to build a life together. I saw the doctor today and there's just no getting around it. It's terminal. Fighting back tears. His girlfriend asks, what, what did she say? What's the diagnosis? And between sobs of his own, the young man says, it's, it's, it's athlete's foot. And she said, it's never going to go away. Now that young woman may very well decide that marriage to that man is not a good idea. But not because he's about to die. Because he seems to lack the ability to distinguish between unpleasant realities and certain death. In the same way, the Holy Spirit wants us to reject any kind of thinking that confuses the unpleasantness of earthly sufferings or even spiritual attacks with the certain defeat of God's love in our lives. The tr that troubles and opposition continue to exist for us doesn't make them the winners, but that God's love and will continue powerfully throughout our lives makes us winners. And more than that, because the really realistic reality is that there is nothing and no one, no problem, no danger, no enemy that can snatch one of God's children out of his hands. With his cross and his empty tomb, Christ has already won the victory and given it to us by his choice and through faith. There is nothing and no one more powerful than our Almighty Lord and Creator. And there is no force more decidedly on our side than the love of God who gave His one and only Son to be our Savior. So we listen to Paul once more. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor rulers, 
Neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So yes, yes, yes again. God is for us. No matter what, no matter when, no matter where, His love and power are the reality that matters most and can never be shaken. Do not listen to any other voice or any other message. Only one truth matters. So let it break through, enlighten your heart, and strengthen your faith. God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. Amen. Please rise. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.